Hey folks, welcome back. It is your host. I am your host, Jason Coral. Whatsoever is true. And uh, today's subject, you know, I like to jump right into things and, and not waste anybody's time. So today's subject is how to avoid messing up your Christian life. <laughs> and I'm going to start it with, with Proverbs, a uh, very well-known verse in Proverbs chapter 3 where we talk about, in verse, starting in verse 5, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. How does this become practical in our lives? The tendency is to think that the Word of the Lord isn't practical. And we're, th th that's how we mess our lives up, is that we hear this, and we apply it in our mind to a category of, let's say, a spiritual thing. We apply it to a church thing, but we don't apply it to everything. So I want to talk in particular about personal conflicts with this. How to mess your life up is have a lot of personal conflicts. Anyone who's gone through a divorce, anyone who's gone through a, a very difficult issue with a friend or a, uh, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend or uh, like a co-worker, anything, family member, a big fight, and, and how much stress and trauma that causes you. Let's talk about how we avoid that. And I'm going to go back to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And, but I'm going to move over to John chapter 21. And incidentally, that's coinciding with what we're talking about on the blog, whatsoeveristrue.com. Go check that out. Um, after Jesus has come to Peter, right, right? Jesus is on the shore. He makes him breakfast. He restores Peter and... And then he tells Peter really this news, you know, after he says, feed my sheep, he says, and most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. So basically Jesus just tells Peter, you're going to be crucified, dude. Yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> isn't that wonderful? And then he says, after he's spoken this, he said, follow me. You know, God never talks about certain categories of Christian living the way we would. We'd be like, oh, dude, Peter, listen, man, you're going to have a rough one coming up. You're going to be, he doesn't say that. He says, just follow me. Jesus doesn't talk about this as if it's a bad thing. It's a good, it's a, it's a glorious thing to, to, to be martyred, apparently, right? That's Jesus' point. Follow me. Well, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, that's John, who would also lean on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Right? So he's hearkening back to John chapter 13 right there, the Last Supper. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus, again, never answers questions the way we think he's going to answer them. He says, if, if I will that he remain till I come... What is that to you? You follow me. Now, I'm going to stop on that because I'm going to go back to lean not on your own understanding and, and go to Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The, the reason that we have so much personal conflict in the world is twofold. First, abject denial of the word of the Lord as our final authority. That's the first reason right there, leaning on our own understanding. We think we are the law. We think we're right. I was just at a, a, a group discussion, my son's class he was doing, and they were talking about some, you know, some tough issues. And 
and I was listening to the kids go back and forth, and they're just wonderful kids, and they're godly kids, and none of the kids were quoting scripture, and, and, and that becomes a danger. You want to learn to think systematically. So when to lean not on your own understanding, but to, but to regard God's word as preeminent in all of your thinking is the key to avoiding problems because when you have a disagreement, you're having ultimately a clash of authority. If that makes sense. If you had to kind of understand, people disagree with over something, they're disagreeing not necessarily over what is reality, but what is the authority to define that reality. Okay? It's, it's really this simple, but it's just amazing how it just falls out of our head. How do we avoid conflicts between husband and wife? Or parents and children? It, we have to define authority. Now, in America, especially today, we don't like to speak of authority. Even in the church, we do not like to speak of authority. It, it bothers us. We want to think of ourselves as free agents. This is my church. It's the Lord's church, stupid. It's the Lord's church. Knock that off. You are part of the body of Christ, not your church. And people, people shop around for churches instead of going, well, what church preaches the word of the Lord? Unadulterated, straight, black coffee. That's what I need. Build the saints up. I have a responsibility. I need to learn the scripture. We don't want to hear about authority. We don't want to hear about responsibility. But look at the way Jesus just talked to Peter. You follow me. He's the final authority. And then you hear people within the church say, well, you know, the spirit and da, 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 you know, everybody will have to um, follow the, the word of the Lord or the <clears throat> in their own life. And it becomes a little bit too emotional and sentimental. The word of the Lord is a set of divine principles that are to be applied to particulars. Let me say that again. The whole counsel of the word of the Lord, the Bible, is a set of divine principles. In those areas that it's very, very clear in terms of where to be in families, right? Where to be married, husband and wife, children. Um, we are to be saved, right? Spirit-filled, full of the word of the Lord. Uh, we are to avoid adultery, fornication, greed, lust, envy, murder, strife. Those are moral issues. And what happens is that people begin to obsess about non-moral issues, non-biblical issues where they do have freedom and ignoring the big ones. You know, for example, what should you wear to church? I don't care. Or what song should you sing? I don't know. I, that, that, there's a lot of room for, for, for variance there. What, they're not, what's a, what there isn't room for variance over is the clear moral commandments of the Lord. If we stop obsessing about small things and getting our own way and being preeminent in our own thinking, we're going to avoid conflicts with other people where I get to the second point. And this is how these are merged. Notice that Peter asked about John. Now, we don't know exactly what John's or Peter's motive was in asking Jesus. Hopefully, it was love and concern. Hopefully, he was thinking, I hope that John isn't martyred. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what happens with Jesus' response is, what is that to you? What, what, he's my servant. You follow me. If we keep this, again, as I'm joining John 21 and Proverbs 3 in a unit, this will keep us from conflicts with other Christians. If a Christian is, if I have a disagreement and it causes strife, the principle has to be over sin. If it's not over sin, then we need to shut up about it and mind our own business. That in and of itself 
would solve 99.9% of the problems plaguing the personal relationships of Christians and everybody else for that matter. What does the scripture say? Okay, for example, people, people will start getting into political arguments without ever defining their terms. I've been on other podcasts where, you know, another other whatsoever is true podcast, I've talked about this, where people say, well, you can't bring religion into politics. Well, what do you bring in? Oh, well, well, you know, well, common sense. So how do you know that? See, see what I mean? They, they start midstream. They don't define their terms. And they just assume that they are capable of, of, of arriving at conclusions without ever asking themselves to apply that principle uniformly. For example, as I've said on another podcast, I'll do it again, is, well, you can't bring Christianity into politics. And you, and you say, well, why not? I said, well, not everybody's a Christian. So the principle, therefore, you ask them, is unanimity. We all have to be unanimous. See the problem? But not everybody's a secular atheist either. So how do we live together? Everything is going according to God's moral law. Everything. And God's, God's moral law and God's character is the guide for the good life. We have a sin problem, and the sin problem is that we want to be autonomous. We want to define right and wrong, good and evil, according to our own dictates. This is what causes conflicts. This is how you ruin your life. This is how you have a lot of trauma and strife. The question on everybody's lips should be, what does the scripture say? Now, of course, you're going to get people who will say, well, the Bible, you could, the Bible can say anything. No, it can't. You can say, well, there is no God. Just leaving out the first part of it. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You, people will say, well, you can prove anything from the scripture. No, you can't. That's preposterous. You can only prove the character and the will of the Lord through scripture, logically. For example, Donald Gray Barnhouse uses this analogy. I can pick up the dictionary and, and turn, flip to it and say, flip to the B section and go black. And then flip to I and go is, and then flip to W, and go white, and then say, hey, black is white. I've proven it on the authority of the dictionary. And you would rightly say, dude, that's ridiculous. That's an egregious breach of the basic rules of the dictionary. Likewise, you cannot prove everything or anything from the Bible, only what is in the true character of God and Jesus Christ. And the main theme of the Bible is that God is holy, God is righteous and good. He created the world, he created man, man fell in sin to correct the sin problem, to restore man to fellowship with himself. Jesus Christ was born, Jesus Christ lived, he was crucified and buried and rose again for our justification. That is the main theme of Scripture, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot prove that mankind is not a sinner. You can't prove that mankind doesn't have a sin problem. You can't prove that Jesus Christ isn't the Son of God. You can't prove that God hates sin. You can't prove that God hasn't corrected sin only in Christ. And so on and so on. By the same token, I can't prove black is white through the dictionary without doing great violence to the principles of the dictionary. You can't prove just anything from the Bible. So let's just be clear on that and get that out of the way. What you can prove from the Bible is that God is righteous and holy and he has dealt with sin in Jesus Christ. 
So when now we get to a problem, the point, how do we avoid conflicts with one another? Well, we have to differentiate between sin and variances of personality. Romans 12 says, No one should think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the gifts he's been given. All right, if in prophecy, use prophecy. If you know, in service, you're serving. It, so everybody's different in the Lord, in the Spirit. Now, if somebody's doing something you don't particularly care for, well, you don't really have to deal with them. But the question is, is it a sin issue? If it's not a sin issue, then really, no big deal. If, if you have a man that's married, he has two kids, and then he wants to have an affair, clearly that's sin. And then if he doesn't repent of that sin, well, then you would need to break off any relationship with him because he's not walking in the Lord. This is just clear teaching of Scripture. You're not welcome to have a disagreement. It's like, oh, we're going to have to agree to disagree. No, he's sinning. We have to agree to disagree over you like do you like Ford and I like Toyota? Okay. But you can't disagree over a moral issue that God's word is clear on. Just just that's just the way it is. Now that's not to say that somebody's sinning and and, and you beat them with a stick. We're not saying that. What I'm saying is in personal relationships, the question of authority comes in. Husband and wife. You know, if you're if you, you have a spot, the, the point would be what is the sin issue? And if you're not sure, then this is not that big of a deal. If it's like, who gets to watch their favorite TV show? Well, you know, really, is this going to cause strife amongst you? We even have it in, in so many cases, so many cases in Corinthians, because the Corinthian church was a hot mess of the differences in church discipline and, and the church not getting involved with something. And so that's for another podcast another time. But... The main theme of today's podcast is that if we align our thinking and therefore our actions with the biblical record, we ourselves will not be giving offense to other people. And then we will be able to ignore petty offenses of people. Because if we want to look hard enough, that's what Jesus' point with Peter was. You follow me. Don't worry about John. I'll take care of John. He's my servant. You stay focused on the word of the Lord and keep thinking of how you can be of service to him, not the other way around. Don't worry about, this is where it gets into greed and envy and within the church of this person's getting this acclaim or this person's got that and I don't have it. Again, as Jesus would say to us in that same issue, what business is that of yours? You follow me. What if I want to give, this is what Jesus would say based off of what he said in John 21. This is a principle. What, what is so what if I want to give, give this guy a bigger church or a bigger house or a faster car <laughs> or, or whatever or a better trained dog, whatever the case might be? What business is that of yours? That's between he and the Lord. If we follow this biblical mandate and we follow the biblical principle and we apply it, we'll stay out of all this petty conflict. And this is where the First Corinthians 13, love, Right? We really want the best for others. And we won't do that until we see everyone else in the same position as we're in. And that is a redeemed sinner before the Lord Jesus Christ. If, if we do this very, very simple thing, not easy, but simple, we change the entire trajectory of our life by changing the trajectory of our personal relationships. 
And so if you have a problem with somebody, the problem should be sin. They have sinned against you. Maybe they've lied or they've betrayed you or whatever. And you can bring that sin to them. And then if they still, they, they don't repent or they don't agree with you, you go get elders, go get spiritual authorities and go to them. And the Bible, this is what the Bible declares is the way to solve these problems. Lean not on your own understanding. What we often do is we just bicker, complain. Somebody not too long ago was mad at me over something and I said, well, what sin are you accusing me of? And they didn't say. I said, well, it's not my right to judge. No, it is your right. You're, you're a professing Christian. If you're angry with me, you think I did something wrong, you need to present the sin. And then you need to present it biblically because we're both under authority. That's the key. We're both under authority. We're, we're not authorized to let our emotions whimsically carry us around through, through life. We are, we are authorized to live before God, quorum Deo. And that's the way it should go. Unfortunately, Christians want to be free agents. They want to be moral free agents, just like the sin principle in us. We want to be moral free agents. Like when I asked that individual, what sin are you accusing me of? That was, that's a biblical question. And they then, they then had a biblical mandate to answer the question or drop their grudge. Incidentally, in that case, I didn't, they didn't do that. They refused to do it. And when I pointed out that that's the biblical record that they have to, they have to submit to, they brush that off. That's where conflicts come from. So I'm, you know, in this case, I'm not going to deal with that person because we're not, we don't have an agreed authority. If the authority isn't the word of the Lord, then the authority is one of the two of us, or it's both of us. That's the recipe for disaster, <laughs> boys and girls. That's where the conflicts come from. The conflicts come from, if Peter would have said, when Jesus says, you follow me, if Peter says, yeah, but see where I'm going? So you have to ask yourself, we should ask ourselves that question. What or who is our final authority? Is it me? Is it you? Or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? And if it's the Lord Jesus Christ, it must be the Word of God. Because we're not going to get to know the Word of uh, the, Jesus Christ without the Word of the Lord. All the counsel of the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. And it will revive your relationships. Okay, so... As always, my favorite tagline here is, hope this was helpful and edifying. I know this is such a difficult thing, but people are constantly expressing moral evaluations about each other. Uh, some people are doing it to you. You might be doing it to others. We want to do this biblically. If it's not a biblical issue, don't worry about it. Rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice and be happy. And don't try to micromanage other people's lives. Remember what Jesus said. What business is that of yours? You follow me. And if you and I stay focused on the Lord, we will find so much peace and joy. We will find so many relationships that are, that are in that vein, that are based in the joy of the Lord, based in the grace that we've received in the Lord. And we want our neighbor and our friends and our fellow workers in Christ, to have that same grace, to know Christ as we know Christ, as our Savior. But if we don't think we're that bad of a sinner, we'll have a tendency to try to micromanage everybody else. Because when we don't think we're that bad of a sinner, we don't think we'd have that great of a Savior. That's what's going on. And we're still, still leaning on our own understanding. All right, I'll wrap that up. Again, check out my blog, whatsoeveristhrue.com, and we just pray that the Lord continues to lead us from glory to glory and, and an ever greater realization 
of his majesty and his sovereignty and how his sovereignty is good for us and that we don't have to figure out everything in life on our own understanding but according to the word and the principles of the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.